Welcome to the Ryan Holt Show. On this show, you can expect the latest, the greatest, and the best curated content on business, marketing, automotive, and lifestyle. Sit back, put in your earplugs, and let's enjoy the ride. Now, as always, I want to make sure you get the best in content that will help you monster your goals, both personally and professionally. I want to keep this conversation going, so please check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at RyanHoltz1. And then go over to Facebook.com forward slash RyanHoltz Marketing, and we can chat there too. I also want you to visit www.ryanholtz.ca as this will be where I put my almighty beloved show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show. Let the beat drop and enjoy. <laughs> Good old McDonald's. Okay, man. Um, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Um, man, you're only going to hear one interview of this gentleman I'm bringing on, but, uh, he was so damn good the first time we're coming back for the second time. Um, Ross, is it true that you literally created a Snapchat manual that Diddy used? <laughs> yeah, man. So I what was, uh, speaking, I was crazy. I was speaking at an event, uh, probably like two years ago, tech 808. Uh, and one of the guys who was sitting on the panel with me, who was hosting, uh, worked for Diddy and he, he came up to me afterwards. He was like, man, you look so familiar. Like I know your face. I know you from somewhere. And he was like, did you do something on SlideShare? And I was like, yeah, man, I put together like a ultimate guide to Snapchat using SlideShare. And he was like, dude, I use that to show Mr. Combs how to use Snapchat. And I was like, what? Mic drop. I'm good. Wow. <laughs> no, no. Now, uh, before we get into the conversation, I just want to introduce Ross. Ross is a uh, entrepreneur through and through uh, with a passion for technology communications. He has spent the last seven years working in digital marketing through his company, Foundation Marketing, and has had the chance to work with brands ranging from Fortune 500 companies to startups and everything in between. Ross is also the co-founder of a software called Crate and the e-commerce site Hustle and Grind. He was named by Mashable as a top Snapchat marketer and has been published in Forbes, Huffington Post, Venture Beat, and more, and kind of like a, a Wu-Tang hip-hop head, man. I mean, you're kind of bringing the, the hip-hop vibe into uh, into uh, into marketing. So, Ross, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. I'm excited to uh, chat with you and uh, share some insights with your audience. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. So, just before we get into some good stuff, uh, you know, I've been doing, even in the last 24 hours, man, I think I've been digging deep on you because... Cool. I'm kind of like, wow, you know, there's some cool things happening here. But I, I just just give us a little bit of your background, how you got into marketing. Right. Um, you know, I really like the, the the story that you started off with your mom's basement. And, you know, right. and, yeah. and, and I think it is notable to say that, hey, you are in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And yeah. maybe it's a I don't mean it to be a judgmental statement. But when I think of Halifax, Nova Scotia, I don't think of right. this like marketing Mecca, like where all exactly. this, you know, places, people and come from. So uh, tell sure. us about yourself. Yeah, no, definitely. So uh, my journey in the marketing world definitely started kind of uh, like most marketers, you kind of fall into it, right? So for me, it all started, I would say, uh, early days, I always had this passion for entrepreneurship and I wanted to be my own boss. And I remember uh, in the early days, my first taste of entrepreneurship came from the fact that, uh, remember do-rags and when do-rags were all the rage and everybody wanted to have a fresh <laughs> do-rag that gave you the waves and stuff. Like they were they were the jam back then. Um, and I remember taking my entire allowance and buying a handful of do-rags and bringing them back to school uh, and being a novice 
Scotia, like there's not a lot of places that you could get do-rags. So all my boys were like pumped. They were like, Ross, where are you getting these do-rags from? And I just started selling do-rags for like $10, $5 a piece when I was buying them for two bucks. So that gave me my first taste of entrepreneurship. Um, I was able to buy poutine. That's a thing in Canada uh, where you put fries and gravy and stuff like that. Um, but essentially once that took off and I was able to see like the value of business, I was like, okay, I need to double down on this idea and just be an entrepreneur for the rest of my life. So when I got into university, um, I really got my first taste of digital marketing. Mm. I was living in my parents' basement, drinking instant coffee in the middle of Nova Scotia. I grew up in a uh, small community called Preston, um, one of the largest black communities in Canada. And we essentially were just like, I was just like, okay, I love football. I'm not really interested in Shakespeare. They want me to write about Shakespeare in school, but I'm not really feeling it. Like, Wait a I second. Pre- ex- Preston has the, one of the largest black communities in Canada? Yeah, one of the largest in uh, all of Canada. Like, Probably, how, like where, how far is that from Halifax? So from Halifax, we're about an hour out. So yeah, it's an hour outside of Halifax. Um, a huge population. It was essentially like, if you go back, if yeah, you want yeah. to go back in time, it's like yeah, yeah. the Underground Railroad that came up to Canada. Yeah. They stepped in Preston. Um, so if you look at like the Maroons, you look at um, the Black Loyalists who were like, set free, they all kind of went up to Preston and that's where they kind of got their homestead and their land. Um, and it was a very segregated community for many years and it's still very black. Like I'd say 95%. Wow. Uh, so it's pretty, it's damn. Pretty so yeah, what you're so saying is if I want to see black folk, I got to come, I got to bring my black ass down to Preston, Nova you Scotia. Do. <laughs> you do. Damn. You do. I, I was not aware of that. Shame on me. But anyway, sorry, continue. Definitely. So yeah. Um, so from that, I was like living in my parents' basement and I, I had this passion for football and fantasy sports. So I started a blog and I'm ready. I started creating content and the content just started to take off. It was getting picked up by, um, sporting mags like all over the world and it was getting featured. And I was an 18, 19 year old kid living in my parents' basement, but people were taking my advice and they were making decisions based off of it. So mm. that's when it all clicked that it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. There's really no borders thanks to this thing called the internet. Mm. And if you create content and you'd spread it out to the world uh, and you go into these niche communities that there's an opportunity there. So I doubled down on that and I started to actually be able to pay for a significant amount of my tuition with that blog, set up a handful of affiliate sites and I was able to make a good chunk of change with it. But as the marks, as the traffic went up, the marks went down and my mom made me shut down the fantasy football blog. So (laughs) I then transitioned from having a fantasy football blog into a marketing blog. uh, And that's what exists today at rawsimmons.com. And that really kind of took off and became the the gateway for my entire career. You definitely could have uh, started up like a fan duel or something like that, man. That's yeah, a, man, I wish I did. Yeah, that you, you, I still tell my mom till this day. I'm like, mom, I could have been big, but yeah. I, I did. All, <laughs> mom, I could have. You know what? It's it, it's interesting. I mean, um, talking to somebody like you uh, again, I think out west here, and even maybe like you know a little more east in Toronto from you, um, and maybe even in mid Canada, like in the you know Winnipeg, Manitoba areas. I've I've literally talked to a lot of uh, companies and 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 business owners. Um, and they really always kind of put it back to, well, I'm not in the right environment or, you know, hey, I need to move here or, uh, hey, I need to go there. And, you know, for me, I completely disagree because I, I just think you're right. As long as you have the internet, you're, you're really in the mix. And, um, yeah. I mean, for you, I, I, I'll, I'll never forget it again. You know, I think Beverly liked one of your comments or something like that on, on LinkedIn. And man, I got excited because I'm like, okay. And the first thing I thought when I seen your picture was, oh, this guy's got to be like from New York or something. Right. And then I'm like, right. I'm like, just going through your profile quick. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Right. Halifax? Yeah. Like, like Halifax in Canada? Like, right. is that not like Halifax in New York? Is there a Halifax in New yeah. York? So I'm like, oh, snap. And there's actually another gentleman on your uh, feed or something like that that said, you know, I've been really watching this kid. I've been really watching Ross. And, you know, so you seem like you had a lot of accolades. And I just, I just thought, wow, man. So kudos to you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you did make a post the other day. And this is a huge topic. And I think my listeners would get really good value is you did write something that was, it's one simple question. And it's an awkward question, but it's, why the hell did you unfollow me? Right, right. You, you yeah, know? Right. And this is the dirty question that nobody really wants to talk about. So I think this is a great segue into the rest of our conversation is why did you unfollow me? Right. Yeah. So I think it's something that everybody, so someone approached me and they were like, Ross, why did, why did you unfollow me? And it was awkward. Like you said, like, it's very awkward to have somebody say, bro, you unfollowed me. What's up with that? Um, but like, like, you do have to keep your, your feed clean. Like it's, it's good for your mental health. I believe. Um, so I unfollowed someone and I had to let them know why. And, and rather than taking the, the kind of traditional approach where I would say, Oh man, the algorithm must've did that. Like, I don't know. Sometimes when I'm scrolling through, I automatically unfollow people. I'll follow you back right away. But I, I was straight up with them and I told them like, there's a few reasons why. Number one, you sound like a robot. Like everything you say is the same as everybody else and you're not really showing any personality. So to me, like I didn't engage with it. I feel like I'm getting the same thing from you as I'm getting from 20 other people. Like I just wanted to get that off of off of my feed. The second one was uh, everybody acts like they have to wear this cape all the time. Like everybody wants to be Superman. They want to be Batman. They want to be Wonder Woman. Instead of just letting it all down and just showing that you're human, which I think is is so important in the social media landscape, because if you think about it, social media is just a highlight reel. Like mm. whenever you look at somebody's content on social media, it's a constant highlight reel. You never get to see the behind the scenes, mm. the struggle, the pain. Um, what people are really going through. It's a very curated and like filtered approach that you see. So just let me interject on that though. I think that you make a good point. So you basically say it's a highlight reel of people's lives, you know, and that's right. why a lot of people say, don't get too caught up in comparing your life right. to somebody else's life on social media. Cause you don't know the behind the scenes. Now on the yeah. flip side, I do believe that transparency should be a must. For me, I, yeah, yeah. So for me, I do believe that transparency should be a must. And I feel like, you know, I owe it to my audience to show a little of behind the scenes. Now, right. here's where I, for me, it's too much for my appetite. When people get on social right. media and let their whole life out, like Perfect. I couldn't afford to pay my bill or, you know, right. this happened. Right. Like, like in yeah. your opinion, as an expert, where is the threshold between saying, okay, I want to show you my real life, but then right. where's that cutoff for you? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's a, it's a constant juggling act, but for me, it's like, if you're just because you're a professional, doesn't mean you have to be a professional every single day. Yeah. So like if I constantly solely tweeted about marketing and business and that was all I ever did. And I never talked about the Eagles and how much I love Philadelphia on Sundays. If I never talked about like how much I love fresh prints, if I never took pictures in an ugly Christmas sweater that referenced uh, Wu-Tang or anything like that, then I would say I'm just being a robot. But I think that you have to show your personality, like show the fact that you 
You, if you listen to Bieber, then show people that you listen to Bieber and tell them about it. Um, I think that there's a, a balance between it. For me, I try to always share positivity. Like I'm not going to go on social media and start complaining because I had the flu. Like yeah. I'm not that type of person. Um, but I will definitely show people uh, myself, like going to my grandparents' house on Thanksgiving. Like those things are like that's real. So show people those real moments. Um, and if you do happen to lose somebody in your life, like that's something that you can also share. Um, but you have to just recognize like it's not a it's not a bagging or asking for people to kind of have sympathy. It's just like you showing people mm. a little glimpse that, into the reality that, yeah, you hurt too, just like everybody else. Mm. Um care about things just like everybody else. I think that that's important. You know what? I think it's really cool. Uh, I was looking on, uh, you know, uh, uh, do you know Mackenzie Clench? He's one of your uh, LinkedIn guys, man. When I told, I did it, I did a Ross Simmons digital deep dive, man. I'm telling you, (laughs) You I I dove so far in. I'm surprised you don't see a picture behind your head above your lamp right now. However, Mackenzie, he wrote this, and I'm going to give him a shout out. I even used it on my LinkedIn. I'm waiting for him to accept my connection request so I can give him the the proper shout out. So if he says anything to you, just say, yo, man, the guy actually did shout you out. Now, he said, yes, love this, Ross. He says, I've been arguing this for a while now. Basically, this was in response to the whole unfollow thing. He said, life speaks to life and all that. Without a degree of beautifully messy and engaging humanity, a lot of social media accounts turn into an online version of your call is important to us or worse, if you're calling about billing, press one or even worse, press two if you'd like to speak to a human. And if that's the case, you know, give up now. And and I just kind of thought and I I think he's a copywriter to some degree because his his wording and here's man of shout out to people who can write. My grammar is terrible. I am a horrible (laughs) writer. I have great ideas. But man, I have so much respect for people who can get sexy with words, man. Like they just are a wordsmith, you know, and you're you're reading. He's really good. Yeah. And you're reading. You're just like, ooh, what? Like, what is that about? Right. Yeah. So shout out to him on that. But again, it's kind of going back to your point about being a robot. I mean, him saying that, do do you feel that's appropriate? Like, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I'm with him, right? Like, I agree 100%. I think if you're constantly just spitting out the same stuff over and over again, people are going to be like, who is this? Like, who are you? Not as like a professional, but as a person, like, who are you? Like, what are you all about? Um, People don't connect with pixels, right? Like people connect with people. Absolutely. Um, So like, I think it's important that you show that you're a human at the end of the day. Absolutely. I think too, you know, kind of, kind of taking that a step further, um, for you, I actually, the guest I had on after we chatted yesterday, she's a, an Asian R and B singer and pharmacist. Oh, cool. (laughs) So we talked a lot about cultural, expectations from parents meaning uh, in the asian culture and in the black culture is you know the way out especially when you talk to parents that have immigrated over the number one way out that has always been ingrained in our mentalities was through education go to school get a good education go to school get a good education and then there's people like ross and ryan who are in the basement saying yeah i love the education component but i think that we're we're getting educated every day i mean this is education right right now but you know, for you, you said, I'm an entrepreneur. Now you and I right. both know if we went to any curriculum back in 1999, 
Right. There's no curriculum even that says entrepreneurship. Nothing. No. Right. No, now, nothing. and and I'm. Have you ever spoke at any schools or been involved? I with, do. I speak at schools often. Okay. Now, if you go sit into a marketing lecture right now at a university, yeah. it is so far behind. So far behind. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. So my question to you is: She basically said, Ryan, I'm a pharmacist and I'm an R&B singer, and right. how do I market or how do I push? you know, both my personality. She said, I'm a pharmacist because it pays the bills and it allows me to buy equipment and invest in my artistry. And then she said, that's my one cap. I said, are you happy doing that? And she said, no, my parents wanted me to do that. And then she flipped over and said, well, I'm an R&B person. I love that. And I actually said to her on the call, and I love your perspective on this. I said, why do you have to pick one? I said, here's the thing. If I go and get at my local drugstore, you know, a, a, a prescription filled and the pharmacist is Asian, that's so typical. It's so typical, right? And, but if I seen a pharmacist who was an R&B singer who was sitting in front of a piano and had her pharmacy coat on, that would be unique to me. And I said, and then I said, could you imagine on Instagram stories, you were showing pictures of your fingers, literally, 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 literally counting out pills. And then the same, and the next story, you're hitting the keys. And she kind of thought about it. And I said, why do you have to pick one? So somebody came to you and said, Ross, how can I merge these? Or how can I combine my passion with something that I actually love? Like, what, what would you tell them? I would say go for it. Like if you look at me, I've kind of lived that, right? So I have passions in a variety of different things and I constantly am trying to kind of create a life that allows me to do all of them. So um, at its core, I am a a great marketer. Like humble brag aside, like I know that I do it very well. I service clients very well. I can drive results. I can help them do a lot of great things with the marketing side of things. That's easy for me. Um, But when it came to the coffee company, Hustle & Grind, I didn't know much about product marketing. I didn't really know much about how to launch a product. I love coffee. I wanted to find a way to write off all the coffee that I drink. And I said, I'm going to create a business that does this. So on top of that, there's a link to the whole inspiration side of things, which gets me excited. That fires me up being able to help entrepreneurs actually create that side hustle. Like that stuff excited me. So I was like, I'm going to take some of the capital that I'm generating with the marketing business and I'm going to start hustling and grind. And then that started to take off that succeed. And I was like, all right, what's the next challenge? Something that also interests me is the software game. So I needed to sink my teeth into crate. And I was like, I'm going to double down on this. Uh, and that's mm. just the way that it works. It's like, if I find something that I'm interested in, I'm going to use, put out, I'm going to create a roadmap around what it's going to take for me to do all three of those things at once. Uh, and then I'm going to go for it. So I don't think that there's at the end of the day, man, you know, this, we talked about it yesterday. There's a, there's a shelf life to all of us. Um, I just saw a tweet today that rocked me. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with combat Jack, but combat Jack just passed away. Hip hop legend. Yeah. Podcast legend. Like the dude passed away. He's only in his fifties. Um, so when I see that, it's a reminder that we all have this shelf life. And if you want to do multiple things, if you want to be a pharmacist and R and B singer, and you want to open up a cafe Mm. that sells amazing donuts, do it Mm. all or at least because at the end of the day, we are all going to expire. And when you expire, you better be able to look back and say, man, the best I got. And I got to do some crazy fun things on that journey. So um, for me, um, it's like embrace it all. 
today, and I came up with this quote. I'm going back to it, and I, I I googled it to see if anybody even said it, and nobody said it. So I'm taking. <laughs> I'm I I don't like to ever put a quote in and put my own name because I'm just like it's a little right. like morbid. It's like too right. it's like too humble braggish because yeah, yeah. it's not really humble brag. It's like right. dude, you it's love yourself brag. too much, right? right? Um, but it's you know today I'm many things, but in the future I could be many more things maybe. Right. And right. you know I had a few uh, listeners yesterday comment on that and they said you know ryan it really it really that that statement really kind of kind of bellowed out there's 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 a struggle going on in the world right now and it's for the first time ever we there's no excuse i don't care if you're broke i don't care if you got no money but if you can afford this even even i'm doing a podcast right now there's an app called anchor i'm sure you've heard of anchor yeah i mean you you as long as you got a smartphone you don't need any of the fancy microphone if you got something to say, you just talk into your phone and it will oh. automatically upload it to iTunes and everything for you. Right. That's but you're very right. We all owe a death. Um, this is something that I, I'm, I'm actually sad about in my own life. I feel that growing up because how old, how old are you, Ross? 30, I'm 30. Okay. I'm 30. I'm 33. So growing cool. up, I felt that I always had to, I never had like an identity in the sense of I was a football player and here's what's funny about me. I was always multi-talented. So I would go to football practice and then I would go to choral music cause I could sing. And then I also would play trumpet and saxophone. So, nice. but I, I didn't consider myself an artist because I wasn't good at drawing, but then I realized, and actually when I met my wife, my wife is an amazing artist and business person. But she just really opened my eyes to say artistry doesn't mean just drawing like artistry right. doesn't. I mean, man, artistry is in everything that we do. Yeah. And the moment I figured out, I, me- I remember even talking to her about it. And this is like full disclosure because people back then thought, oh, man, Ryan's got it going on. His life is good. Everything's good. But inside I was struggling because I'm like, mm. what am I? What am I going to do? Right. And what's my identity? And then yeah. she just said, Ryan. You are your identity. You might change things every five years. You might literally say, even businesses, I get a little bored after five years. You know, like right now, I'm I own a marketing company and we do very well. And I've had two offers to be bought out. And I think in my head, like I'm at that five year mark again. And I love marketing, but I said to my wife, okay, if it's just gonna be automotive, I now I I wouldn't say I'm bored, but I've done automotive. I understand that industry so well. So yeah. now, like you, I'm kind of branching out. The podcast right. to me was what hustle and grind is for you. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? And yeah, exactly. I'm basically saying I'm going to double down on the podcast. I'm yep. going to talk to other people. And it's got me excited again. Exactly. You know? Yeah, so that's awesome. Segwaying into Instagram, hustle and grind has 120,000 followers and it's growing. Right. Tell everybody, like, first of all, are you selling coffee? Like, what the hell do you do? And how does it yeah. actually make money if it makes for money? For sure. Yeah. So Hustle and Grind is a, uh, a business that essentially sells coffee. We sell t-shirts, we sell posters. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll hook you up. Send me your address after this. I'll get you some Hustle. Yeah. Oh, I like that, man. <laughs> Shout out to Hustle. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, we, uh, we sell coffee. We ship it off to offices all over uh, North America. Um, we've got our posters up and some of the biggest startups across uh, North America as well. Um, and what we do is we constantly just try to kind of create content and stories that resonate with people. We also have a blog that's generating thousands of views every month. Uh, and yeah, no, we uh, we believe in the combination of three things. And the first time we heard it, uh, it was from uh, a real estate company. I forget exactly who it was, but it's the idea of blending commerce, 
called uh, community mm. and content. So uh, the commerce side is selling the posters, the coffee and things like that. We have the content through the blog. We also mm. sell a few eBooks to help people with uh, marketing, getting started. That's like the side hustle ideas list. Uh, and then from a community standpoint, we really view our Instagram following as a community and we have plans to build that into something a little bit bigger. So right now we have a Facebook group called the hustle corner where entrepreneurs from around the world are connecting and collaborating and hiring each other to do projects and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a growing community and the goal is to kind of just keep allowing people to kind of create that side hustle and then eventually turn it into something that can be maybe their main. Man, we got to insert a clap for that. And when you hear this podcast, uh, Ross, you're going to be hearing a whole bunch of clapping. We're going to even do the Jamaican air horn. They can't keep a good man. (laughs) Uh, But I'll tell you this. This is amazing to me. Okay. Facebook groups, man. I, I feel like you haunted me with a few things when we spoke yesterday. The number one thing I took away was like, I got to step up my LinkedIn game. And I, I just right. love like, uh, there's something about it. I love Instagram. And I told you that yesterday, but yeah. the other one was Facebook groups. And I actually was like up at three, three o'clock this morning and I'm just going through the groups and I'm just like, it, this to me, it, there's something I just can't get romantic about. I know it's powerful if done yeah. right, but I feel right. like, and maybe we can just talk about this again, because I think anybody who's in business out there right now, I mean, you, you even said like a billion people. How can somebody like I'll use my show as an example. I asked you yesterday, I said, Ross, what do you think would be a good way of connecting my listeners with my guests and everything in between? And you said you could do ask me anything. You could do several different things. How yep. does somebody start a group and then get people to care about that group per se. Because I feel like sometimes the groups I've been a part of, it seems so self-serving to the organizer. Right. And I'm so sure you twofold. see that. Yeah. Okay. No, it is. That's a great question. So it's twofold. So the first question is, how do you get people to join? So Correct. it's essentially this. At the end of the podcast, you say, hey, listeners, if you want to connect with me further, you join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash blah, blah, blah. 100%. And then you tell them the value that you're going to add to them that isn't self-serving. So the the benefit of having a Facebook group is you're creating a community. And when you have a community, a conversation happens, a community kind of takes on a, a life of its own, and you don't even have to be there. So if you're out walking and you're doing your own thing, um, like you don't actually have to be fully engaged in the community to start seeing somebody else go up and put up a post saying, Hey, I'm trying to hire someone who can edit my next podcast. Mm. Does anyone have any ideas? And then the other people in your community start to add them value. Or maybe if you want to be the person who facilitates that every Tuesday, you're going to host a hiring Tuesday Mm. where you're going to schedule a post in buffer that automatically shares in your group that says, Hey, everybody listening, if you want to, um, if you're hiring someone, share the link in this comment, let everybody in this group know, and you guys can connect with each other. Mm. And then on Thursday, you can have a Instagram promotion day where you schedule another post that says, Hey everyone, we need to connect with each other. If we all grow, you grow together. Let's all grow each other's accounts, share your Instagram link below. And we're all going to follow each other because today's the day we spread love. Those types of things. Mm. Then at the beginning of each week, you have an accountability Monday where you share 
Everybody needs to say what they're going to be accountable to accomplish in the next 30 days. And then when 30 days come, you already have it blocked off in your schedule where you're going to follow up with every single person that commented and you're going to see if they did what they said they would on January 1st or December Mm. 1st. And then they're getting real value from it because you're not only telling people to listen to your new episodes, but you're also holding them accountable. Mm. That's why people pay coaches to be held Mm. accountable Mm. as entrepreneurs. A big challenge is we have no one to be accountable to. So if you can lock that type of engagement in, that's where you add value. So let me ask you this. This is a verbal uh, contract we're about to enter into. So if I started a group, <laughs> would you join my group, Ross? I'm in. I'm I, fe- in. I, I feel like I feel like this is like, would you be my friend, man? Would you be my yeah, friend, exactly. Ross? <laughs> it's so, you know, yeah, this is what I love about social media. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, have you ever met anybody that's followed you online and then you meet them offline and maybe they said, cause I'm sure you must've had some negativity at least I've had a little negativity. So, yeah. so I've met some, like a lot of people follow me online and then I met a couple offline and the rare time I do get this comment where they're like, man, Ryan, you're so nice off right. like, like, and I'm like, am I not nice online? They're like, no, but you're, you know, like I'm opinionated. I, but I, I'm not negative. Like if you look at my content, a lot, I mean, a lot of it's very positive. I don't rant. I don't right. do any of that. But right. I think and I've had, you know, humble break for me. I've had a lot of success. You know, That's, I've been yeah, yeah. TV, you name it, man. So much right. like I got stacks. But right. people always assume that success will breed ego. And I don't have right. any ego, man. Like I right. I am not afraid to like. I just don't have ego. And when it comes to, I think even people look at material, it, when I was talking to my wife about this and I said, if I was like, let's say I had $55 million right now, I wouldn't even know what to go and buy. I wouldn't even know what to go and buy. I love my life, man. I got homes, I got real estate, I got a nice ride. I got all that. So I feel like when people go to social media, like they're, they, they get, like they almost create their own story. No, what's the word? They, they create their own narrative sometimes. And I feel that I always try to pull people like into a different narrative if I can. And that's why sometimes if I meet you on LinkedIn, I'm like, yo, do you have Instagram? You know, because I want you to see different diversity. So for you, I mean, you're a nice dude, right? But has there ever been any time where you're like, wow, I'm really shocked that that was kind of the vibe that, you know, XYZ person got, have you ever had any of that? I have. Yes. Um, and can I answer that question as soon as I grab my charger? Absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, right, man. I'll be right yeah, back. No worries. No worries. Well, everybody, I think we should be f- playing the Jeopardy music game right now. Um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast right now, I am watching Ross. Ross is now about to plug in his computer charger and we are going to have some Jeopardy music start to take place. Ross, apologies. no, Ross, I was just telling everybody we're going to play Jeopardy music and I was giving them like an ad lib of what I'm saying. I'm like, I can see Ross's butt sit down on the chair. He's bending <laughs> over to look at his, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no, please answer that question. Cause I think it's, again, I, I just think it's the details that people really struggle with. So could you shed light on that? 
Yeah, for sure. So I've gotten a lot of negativity. I mean, any at the end of the day, anybody who does something that's different or tries to do anything that's different, you're going to be met with negativity. Um, I wouldn't say that my I haven't received criticism that I'm not the same person online as I am offline. Like I'm pretty consistent with that. Um, Or at least I try to be in typically whenever I meet people, they, they say that there's some consistency there. So the one piece that I've received a lot of negativity around is like, some people just think that you can be too positive. Like uh, a lot of people don't <laughs> want you to be too positive and they they rag on you for being too positive, which is the type of cri- like criticism that I've gotten in the past. Uh, people are saying, okay, here you go again with like these inspirational quotes and stuff like that. Um, so I get those types of things. But to me, it's like, if you stay focused on the long-term vision, like I don't get caught up in that at all. Like I really, I love getting critiqued. I love getting feedback from people. Um, it just allows me to either learn about something that I can improve on, or it's just like a sign to me that I'm doing something right. So, uh, for me, I, um, I do see it. Everybody who's trying something different is going to see it. Like I've, I've, I embrace the haters. I, I love mm. it when it comes to kind of seeing comments that are negative. Like I get people commenting all the time saying that I don't understand branding because I throw all these hip hop references into my content. Like I wrote a blog post called how to take your content from zero to 100 real quick, real friggin' quick. And people hated on it because I was making a reference to Drake. Um, but I'm not going to stop staying true to myself just because there's a few critics. Like my content is targeted towards people who um, don't take themselves so seriously that they can't appreciate a, a mm. solid Drake reference. Um, I've got another one, which was, do you feel, do you feel like that's, do you feel like it's a cultural slash, uh, racial thing in terms of that? When people are, when you, when you throw in the hip hop, I think it's, I don't, I think it's more of people have this idea around what a professional is and (laughs) think that you can't, that they don't think that hip hop can be professional. Um, they don't think that hip hop can fits in the, the professional world. And I don't, I don't know if it's a, a race thing. I'd say culture. Yes. I'd say that it's a cultural you know difference. You, around. Wait a sec. You know, what's so funny about that hip hop, hip hop, man, hip, hip I, yo, yo, whoa, whoa, yo, yo, man. I mean, oh, I feel like I should slam it down, start like throwing down some black uh, coffee or something, but no, no, no. Hip hop is bred in everyone's. Yeah. Here's what I, we have this epidemic out out here in West, out, out in Alberta. I'm in BC right now, but you'll have the same people say, yo, man, this hip hop stuff, I don't get it. And then they're rolling by in their truck. Boom, boom, boom. Right. It's a hard knock life for exactly. us. Like, I'm just like, what the hell? Like, you're confused. Hip hop breeds into everything, man. And the metaphors, yeah. hip hop to me is... One of the first things in the world that really captured the art of storytelling, you know, and I mean, I just feel people use it to get jammed up and you got, you know, Caucasian dudes that are pressing hard in business. They're doing the whole suit and tie and they're going hard on it. Right. So, I mean, sorry to interject, but yeah, go ahead and finish. But man, that's crazy. It is crazy. Like I wrote a blog post many years ago, it was probably like four years ago now, but my blog post was why you should let your kids listen to hip hop. And it was like, you can listen to this emo stuff, but you're going to, your kid's going to be like in, in a sad spot or they can listen to old school Jay-Z and they can be excited about the potential of changing the world. Like I would rather my kid listen to that than something that's going to have them depressed thinking that their girl's going to leave them in high school and it's time for them to kind of go into a corner and cry. Like I'd rather them listen to something that's going to get them pumped up. So that piece 
gets tons of negative comments all the time um, from people saying like hip hop shouldn't be listened to, that it's trash and stuff like that. And I, I respect it. Like I, I get that some people don't um, agree with me. I'm a completely okay with that, but um, it's just, it's just more feedback from the world. So what's, for me, what's so, what's so, what's so funny about this though, is can you tell me a genre that's professional music? Like, what does exactly. that even, what does that even mean? Exactly. Is it country exactly. music? Is that country right. music where I took my yeah. Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys right. were drinking whiskey and wine and then. Right. Right. Exactly. exactly. You know, so, I mean, again, you know, teach your own. That's interesting though. I, I think everybody who's listening right now, please, you know, hear what he said about the whole positivity. Sometimes when you come out of the gate and you're so positive, I always say, you can walk into a room and sometimes people just straight up don't like you because you just you're right. so damn positive. And anybody right. who's really positive and grinding and self-aware, you are like you're like vinegar on somebody's insecure wound. Like it will right. like amplify through their head. Right. It's true. It's Very true. true. So keep doing your thing. Uh, man, time management. We talked a little bit about mm. this yesterday. You're telling groups and you're everywhere and you're servicing clients and you have numerous side hustles. How many hours per day would you say you work? And then how are you, what are some, you know, little hacks that you can get the most done with the least amount of time? And is there any apps or little tools that you use to keep you in line? Right. So yeah, I work a lot. I'll be honest. Like I'm not going to sit here and say I don't work a lot. Like a lot of people um, are constantly saying, no, I have perfect work-life balance. I I do that very well. But for me, I don't believe that it's a balance. I think it's just a work-life integration. So when you integrate your work with your life and you're able to kind of just do everything that you want um, and what you want includes your work, it includes spending time with your partner, it includes spending time with friends and family and you integrate all of that and nothing really is is sacrificed and nothing, or I wouldn't say not sacrificed, but nothing is kind of giving you grief and you're not upset because you're not spending enough time with something, then I think you're doing okay. So on a daily basis, I'm pretty much plugged in probably like a good chunk of the day. Um, (laughs) But like at the end of the day, I still take my time off. Like I'll take a vacation. Uh, I make sure that like every year we go on a trip to Philly and catch a game. Mm. Um, I try to go on trips all the time. So work allows me to go on trips with my wife mm. and she'll come with me to Orlando. And if I'm doing that, I make sure that the the conference flying me out is going to get us some tickets to Disney and then we're going to do three days at Disney. So mm. um, I think that it's integrating your work in your life that allows you to kind of find that ultimate happiness. So for me, I try to always be optimizing for happiness and I get a lot of joy from doing my work. So um, I do my work and I think that mm. it's, a, it's an enjoyable thing. In terms of how I balance it all. Um, I said this yesterday, I'll say it again. It comes down to that acronym cream. So, uh, cream, Wu-Tang, dollar, dollar bills, yo. Around me, dollar, dollar bills, bills yo. Exactly. So, so when it comes to this, rather than saying cream cash rules, everything around me, it's calendars rule everything around me. Um, I live and die by my calendar, whether it's professional life or personal life. If something's not in my calendar, it's very unlikely to get done. Um, and I truly believe that that's one of the biggest difference makers between people who are productive with their 24 hours in a day and those who are unproductive. If you don't track something, you cannot control it. Mm. And everybody always talks about how um, they want to manage their time. Time management isn't a thing. You can't manage time. It's a constant. Mm. Between now and the time that we jumped on this podcast, 
Neither of us could control whether or not time went forward. It just happens. Mm. We can't manage that. Mm. The only thing that we can actually manage is the efforts and the things that we're doing in that time. Mm. So by controlling and looking at your calendar, you can see where your priorities are. You can see what you're going to be doing tomorrow. You can see Mm. what you're going to be doing next week. And most importantly, at the end of a month, you can look back at the last month and you can say, what did I do? What did I, what was I able to accomplish and where were my priorities? So Mm. for me, if I see that my entire calendar is filled with work, I can say next month I have to, I have to switch things up and I have to start spending some more time with my wife. Like you can make those decisions when you are actually tracking your time. So I love calendars. I think that they're the most brilliant productivity hack in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And then outside of that, like there's tons of tools out there that you can use. I use a tool called Trello to manage my day in terms of like content creation and stories that I'm trying to get out. Um, But we talked about this yesterday. Tools are just tools. You need to have a mindset and you have to understand how to use those tools if you want to use them correctly. So for me, it comes down to really just relying on a calendar. And I'm still a little bit traditional in the sense that every week I start with a paper and pad and I create my to-do list Mm, mm, and I go through that at mm. the end. If I look in your bag right now and it's your must have items and I call it the digital marketing toolbox. But if I look at like, I got, this is my, this, this messenger bag right here is like my life. Like this, this is the only, like if I miss this thing, like I'm done. Now, in right. this bag, it's a very strategic bag. My next thing that I have I could not live without is this. This is a, a Zoom H6 uh, audio recorder, meaning I could oh, go cool. anywhere in the world and re- record the podcast right in. Now, cool. if, if we are curious and we want to know how Ross Simmons rolls, what's in the bag? Right. What's And I we need details like yeah. a charger. I need everything that's in that bag. So you definitely have a charger. It's going to be a portable charger as well. So I'm going to have a portable charger. Got one here, actually. Okay, yeah, Um, there you go. Always throw one of those in. I've got my laptop. I've got my phone. Um, I've got a a wallet in there. Uh, I've got a thing called a Gerber. I wonder if I have it nearby. I don't. Um, But a Gerber, it's a little tool that can be used as a wrench. It's like a Swiss Army knife. Um, I've had it since I was probably like 18 or something like that. Um, it's the same one. It's a wrench. It's a knife. It's a bottle opener. It can do a bunch of crazy things. Yep. So I have that, but I'm pretty minimalistic. So like for me, it's like, I need my digital technology in place. And then I have this old fashioned Gerber. And I also have a moleskin, uh, that I carry with me as well, which is my notepad, but also a place that I would scribble out. And the notepad is interesting because I remember it like it was yesterday. And I have tons, I have a bookshelf. I always talk about how books are important. Like I've got a, a bookshelf is one of my, my pride, my prized possessions. Um, but an entire section of my bookshelf is all of these different notepads. Mm. And for the past like eight years, I've had notepads that I've written ideas in that I've kept like thoughts in and like scribbles in, in my to-do list. And I remember uh, when I was working in the nine to five, I was driving home from work and I looked over and I see my notepad just sitting next to me in the, the front seat. And I pulled over immediately cause I had a bad day at work and I was like, I need to plan my life. So I took this notepad and I just started writing in it and I figured out what I wanted to do in the next two years, what I wanted to do in the next three years, the Mm. next five years. And then I took a picture of it. I sent it to my now wife. Um, and then I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And then the next week I quit my job. Uh, but it was all because I had that notepad to really plan and figure out what I wanted and recognize like 
by having the ability to just scribble and write things out, uh, you can kind of figure out where you want to go. So, um, I still, to this day, carry a notepad with me everywhere I go. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a great thing to have on you at all times. Do you, do you wear a watch? I do. So I have an Apple watch that I wear. Um, it's uh, funny. It was a wedding gift of mine for my wife and, uh, I don't have it on now. So hopefully she doesn't see the recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you, would you consider yourself like a, a fancy guy or you don't care about material? Like, are you like, what's, what's, what's the, yeah. what's the swag of Ross Simmons? That's a great question. So in, I see, I seen the suspenders. I seen this. You had some suspenders. Yeah. yeah, My suspenders. I love, so I'd say there's a few things that I have staples on and that I'll, I'll spend my capital on as it relates to kind of materialistic things. One is the suspenders. Um, I like a nice pair of uh, Reebok pumps any day of the week. Like I've got a mag collection. I just got a a new pair uh, delivered. They have like the Basquiat um, kind of look on them with the crown and stuff. I'm pumped to wear those. So, um, I've got, I love pumps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also always had a dream car, which is a mini Cooper. So I, I got that 10 years ago and I just kind of upgraded that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And that's kind of been, those have been my things. So I've been able to get the materialistic things that I've always wanted and that I've loved. Like I, I fell in love with pumps because I could never get pumps when I was a kid and I always loved them. Mm. Um, I just couldn't afford to get pumps. I always mm. had, uh, mm-hmm. the jacks and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I wanted the pumps. So, so do you wear, so um, do you wear, uh, sneakers then most, most times? Oh, I wear, I wear, so I have two types. I have dress shoes as well. I love wearing dress shoes. They're usually denim. Uh, that's kind of like my thing. Uh, but yeah, I wear denim, denim dress, dress shoes. shoes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they always get compliments. For All right. Like, All nobody right. wears them. Nobody wears them. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But whenever I show up at an event, it turns heads. So I uh, I stuck with it, similar to the way that the suspenders went, worked. My grandfather always wore suspenders, and then uh, he passed them down to me when he passed away. And I put them on, went to a conference one day. People went nuts. I was like, okay, I'm going to start wearing suspenders. Mm, so, uh, yeah. Interesting, so man. Me, so for me, I love travel. Like travel is my jam. If I can spend my money on anything, I'm going to spend it on traveling with yeah. friends, with yeah. family. Uh, um, I want to I want to see the world more than anything. So for me, I, I really just have uh, the mini. I've got my Reebok collection um, and then I've got some suspenders. And then outside of that, when I have the when I want to spend my money in splurge, I'm going on a trip. Do you ever watch that uh, complex uh, complex news? They do the 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 sneaker shopping episode. Complex no, Complex seen. News is amazing. It's uh it's owned by yeah. Mark it's owned by Mark Echo. You know Mark okay. Echo. Yeah, Mark, and, Echo. You talk, yeah. and you talk you talk about a guy that's multifaceted. Mark Echo. True. Wow, right? I didn't know he was into Complex. That's yeah, com- yeah, he owns Complex. So Complex News, you've heard of Joe Budden, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe Budden, there's a, a show called Everyday Struggle where he, him and, and DJ Academics uh, are on. I think Joe, Joe Budden actually just left the show yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's, he's a controversial dude, but right. and he's got a, he, I like his podcast, too. He's, he's got a good podcast. You know, I, I, I asked about the materialistic things because it's it's interesting. I think that, you know, just like you, I mean, I grew up very, very humble beginnings and right. I felt I feel like the moment I could take uh, my life into my control, there's a turning point for me. It was, I was choosing whether to play football mm-hmm. and I was very good at football. So I could have, for me, my goal, cause I did play in the States. My goal was to, I said, if I'm not going to put my body through this kind of, you know, craziness, right. unless I, I can go in at least like maybe red shirt to make like an NFL team. Right. CFL was always an option, but most CFL yeah. players, they have second jobs. You don't make much exactly. money. Right. No, you don't. Yeah. 
So I was so at that point I was kind of moonlighting also as an insurance broker. So I was cool. doing like uh, personal insurance, commercial insurance. Right. Um, and I'll never forget. This was a turning point for me. It's so funny. It's life is very serendipitous. So I had a client come in and I had to do business insurance for him. And this was, I want to say, it's got to be like 10 or more than 10 years ago, but he was just getting on the internet buzz. So he was, he owned a website design company and this is before the Mm -hmm. GoDaddy's and the Wix's. So if you remember, if you wanted a nice website, like you had to pay money for it because you had to get somebody to code it from scratch. Right. Right. Now he's sitting there. I'm like, well, how much are you charging for these websites? He's like, oh, I just did one. I charged 10 grand. I was like, 10 grand. Right. Wow. You know, I'm, <laughs> right. and I'm, I'm mad. I'm young. Right. Right. And I'm making $31,000 a year yeah. for my salary. And um, I work my ass off in that job. And my right. boss said, yo, at the end of the year, I'm going to give you a raise. Anyways. Right. So I just met this guy and he, he planted this kind of seed and he said, you know, maybe we should partner. So I met him for lunch. And then two days later, I had my interview, my, my, my performance review, and my boss said, he was so happy for this raise. I right. said, okay, I'm making 31. What am I going to get? He's like, we're going to give you $33,000. Right. $2,000 right. raise. Right. Oh, right. that was it. Right. Right. So I started my first company off that, but I'll never forget how I just felt my time is worth so much more, you yeah. know, than a $2,000 a year raise. And it kind of segues me into my next question, which is, at what moment did you know, I, I mean, I'm, I, I got to be an entrepreneur. I got to go into business for myself. And that yeah. was just that. There was just no other option. I think it for me was when um, I, there was two points. So the first point I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur was when I saw the flexibility in my grandfather father had. He ran a pavings company all when I was a kid. Um, he was able to pick us up from school whenever he wanted to, uh, whenever there was an issue at home, like if my parents were late at work and he needed to kind of run over and cook us supper real quick, he could do that because he was his own boss. And I loved the fact that he had that type of control. Mm. And I think anybody who's an entrepreneur can agree that like you don't really like that idea of somebody telling you what to do all the time. Mm. Uh, like I'm horrible at it. Like if my parents tell me what to do, it was it never went over well. Like I was always <laughs> upset about the fact that my parents had control over me, which they did. Um, but like it always was uncomfortable for me. So the idea of working for someone and having them always tell me what to do was uncomfortable. Uh, but I, over time, I recognized, okay, I need to surround myself with great people, learn from them. Um, and then once I get the skills that I need, I'll be able to get out of this and be able to to kind of create my own thing, um, or at least partner with someone was my thought. So for me, it was that type of a moment, early days that kind of planted the seed that I wanted that freedom. And then from there, it kind of evolved to a point when, uh, I made the leap after I kind of just signed a down payment on a mortgage for my condo. Um, me and my wife were just announcing that we were engaged. Like things were Mm. all moving up in terms of expenses. Uh, like similar situation though, as you, I was, I asked my boss for a change in my job title and it was just simply, I wanted to go from being a digital marketing specialist to a digital strategist because I was doing strategy work for clients. Uh, And I asked for that change in title and they said no. And I was like, Oh no, you're not telling me that I'm not changing my title. Like I'm out. So I, I pieced out the next the next day. Um, <laughs> I like how you kind of skip over that. You're like, yo, it was more, it, it, yeah, yeah. Ross Simmons was out and there was some drama with it too. He just kind of, he's like, yeah, I, I peaced out the next day. Yeah. So next question, next question, Ryan, next question. <laughs> yeah, I can't like, I can't, 
have someone tell me I can't change my job title. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty simple, small thing. Um, so yeah, at that point I was like, I'm out of here. Now you're online and people, this is something that is so hard. Gary Vaynerchuk does a really good job of this. You know, thank you. Economy was a book that he wrote. That book was probably one of the most impactful books I know for me, um, just because it was almost more of a mindset. Um, We did talk about Ryan Holiday, you know, ego is the enemy Uh, yesterday. I think those are huge. But if you're giving away all this content for free, which you are, (laughs) are you giving away so much content? It's all free. How the hell do you get paid? Now, people, people don't, they, they don't understand this. They think when you give something away, you should always get something in return. And people don't understand. I think that's where the concept of content and inbound marketing really takes shape because it's, it's funny. If somebody was to go out and say, Hey, you know, call Ryan Holtz marketing for all your marketing needs. It's just like, Oh God. Right. Oh, right. So how explain to somebody how that works? How does the inbound work? Why is Ross giving away everything for quote unquote free and how does Ross get paid? Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, the idea is if you give the world value, the world will give you value back. That's a simple description of the way it works, right? Like um, I always tell people, if you want to succeed in this space, you do have to be able to give value first. And then once you demonstrate value, that establishes trust. So when I write a blog post and the content is very educational as it relates to B2B marketing or social media marketing, someone's going to read that content and they're going to associate that value that they're receiving with me and my company with my team. And that value then results in down the road, a potential opportunity for them to reach out to us uh, to service their brand, to service their clients. So we get paid through uh, the fact that our content adds value and then people will have us top of mind. And then they reach out and they ask us for help as it relates to kind of executing. So a lot of the times when I create a a piece of content, the content will be very in-depth and it it will intimidate a lot of people. A lot of people will be like, I can't do all of this work. So they'll reach out and they're like, Ross, is this the type of work that you would do? And I'm like, yes, of course. Mm. That's the exact work that we offer. That is what we do for people. So you show people the value that you can give them, show them how complex it is and how challenging it is. And if they're not able to um, kind of make the time to do it, because there's two things you can spend, you can spend your time or your money, they're going to say, Ross, I'm willing to pay you to essentially do this for us. So I think it comes down to that. You show people value. And then when they see that value, they associate it with your name and they're more likely Mm -hmm. to um, come back for more down the road as it relates to services or buying your product, things like that. You know, what's so funny is uh, the way I run my company and this is especially in the automotive, because automotive, there's a lot of ego and there's a lot of, uh, I I always coin myself. I'm not Walmart. I'm Versace and Versace doesn't do discounts. Right. Yeah. And when it comes to that, um, have you ever had to fire a client? I have. So yeah, I've definitely fired a client. I fired prospects. I fired clients, leads. Um, definitely. I think at the end of the day, you have to work with people who understand the value of your time. You have to work with people who understand the value of the services you're offering. And some people just don't, don't get there. Right. So, and that's okay. It's completely okay to walk away from a client relationship. I had an engagement on LinkedIn a few days ago where someone was saying like some clients aren't willing to pay for strategy. So you just have to do it for free. And I'm like, no way, no way. Um, that's when you say no to a client, like you shouldn't have to kind of sacrifice the the value that you offer and the value that you can Mm -hmm. deliver your client. Um, and I think at the end of the day, 
I'll, I'll fire clients if they're not able to see the value anytime it's it's not there. It's a tough business to be in because you're you're again, we talked about this yesterday. It's not like you're you have a, a shoe or a watch or, you know, you're, right. you're selling space, you're selling air, right. you're selling time, you're selling, uh, you know, IP intellectual property, you're selling education. Right. Do you ever get clients sometimes where when the relationship did break down, it was more so on the they almost they got egotistical about the relationship. So they're almost like, mm-hmm. well, it was never our fault. It was almost your fault. And you just kind right. of feel like, my God, I put a lot of work into that. Like they don't even, yeah. it's almost sad. Cause you're like, they don't even understand what they had. Like they right. don't understand yeah. the value. And then you kind of like sometimes document, well, let's see how they do in the next six to 12 months. And right. sometimes they just go, Whoop. Right. right. Have you ever exactly. had that scenario? In the early days. A yeah. Lot. So like in the early days, I found it to be a consistent thing. And then I yeah. think what I realized was you need to make it extremely clear to clients exactly what it is you're going to deliver, exactly how you're going to deliver it to them. And then it removes that opportunity for them to kind of be surprised and think, oh, no, you didn't deliver this because it's clearly laid out. So um, it's a learning curve that a lot of freelancers and marketers kind of go through in any service, whether mm. you're a designer or a developer or a marketer, you name it, if you're offering a service to people and you're not very clear on what the deliverable mm. is going to be, how many rounds of revisions they're going to get, things like that, mm. it can get murky, it can get messy. So um, right now, it's like our process is tight, we understand exactly how we're going to deliver value to clients, and we make sure that that's consistent uh, across the board. It's interesting, because the, 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 the tactic that I, I take to it is, I'm a firefighter, as an entrepreneur, you're constantly putting right. out fires, uh, yeah. and everything's my fault. Everything's yeah. my fault. It's all right. my fault. I'm very, yeah. I'm very empathetic because I feel like I deal with a lot of large organizations. So with large organizations, and you know this, one person might totally buy in, but they got a whole bureaucracy of decision makers that they're not getting along. Maybe Susie doesn't like Larry and Larry. like sometimes yeah. you're completely exited from the whole right. dynamic, which is out of your control. And that's exactly. why sometimes I'm like, listen, I'm empathetic and I totally understand. Um, yeah. This one is huge coming up. Mm-hmm. Owning your own channels, Facebook, right. Google traffic. Right. Now, right. a prime example, and I'll open up with this. People would say, even when I started this podcast, I used to direct everybody to the specific Google Play and iTunes right. links to the podcast. And then right. I thought, geez, Ryan, you're a dumb digital marketer for being a digital <laughs> marketer. You right. want everybody going through your site and then accessing right. it. And then I got a lead capture form and all these things. Now, yep. for me, I feel like iTunes and Google Play, they're already big. Uh, we can all guarantee that me and you and 10 other digital marketers do not have the traffic combined that exactly. I that iTunes will get on a, on an everyday basis. 100%. So for me, I believe that when I put out my content, my distribution is going to go through the first level that I own no matter what. Uh, so could you speak, and I know you did post about this and it's, it's a big, big, uh, topic. And I read some of the comments on there and you're right. Some people think one guy on your stream, Lily said, well, this is way over my head, but I'm sure it's, I'm I'm sure it's something I'm going to have to kind of think about, you know, down the road. So just could you give the listeners, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. So at the end of the day, when you're creating content on social media, you're creating content on online in general, you're typically hosting that content somewhere. Um, And tools like Instant Articles on Facebook, Google AMP are offering people the opportunity to now publish content that lives on these domains. When it lives on their domain, when it lives on a Facebook, when it lives on a Google, those platforms own your content. 
So they're going to be able to generate the revenue. You're going to have a scaled back amount of feature set. So you're not going to be able to have a pop-up. You're not going to be able to kind of have that experience that you want. And because of that, you're limiting the ultimate success of your content. Medium.com is another great channel. I love medium.com, but it strips away so much functionality that you have to Mm. recognize that by using medium.com, you're limiting your ability to capture emails. You're Mm. limiting your ability um, to generate traffic to your site that's ultimately going to rank on SEO uh, mm-hmm, from a Google mm-hmm, standpoint, mm-hmm. like you're losing so many benefits. So for me, I always tell people, take ownership of your channel, mm-hmm. own your first name, your last name.com, own your brand's website and host your content there first and foremost. And then look at all of these other channels, not as a place where you should host your content, but as a channel in which you can distribute your content. So recognize that on Facebook, yes, there's 1 billion people using Facebook groups, but that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. you're no longer going to have an email list. Mm-hmm. It means that Facebook groups are going to be a place where you distribute your content. So for me, I think um, a big mistake that a lot of people make is they put all of their eggs in one basket and all it takes is for one of these big companies to say, we're going to change our algorithm right. and then they're no longer able to reach their audience when if you have somebody's email, you can always reach them, right? Like if I have your email, I can reach you with an email all the time unless you press spam or you block me or something like that. Um, but I think that you have to own your channels, mm. you have to own your communities and you have to own that relationship. Well, and look at it, even if you look at, uh, I think when it comes to micro content, yeah. uh, especially on Facebook, a few, um, a few journalistic companies that I really love because I just, I look at that engagement that they get is one of them is Insider. And then right. one of them is Vice. I, I really love Vice. I like yeah. what Shane Shane Smith, I think, is the, the, the founder, one of them. Um, the way they put out their micro content to me is very impressive because right. they they put out like, yeah, radio, TV, newspaper. Is it dead completely? No, it's not dead. But I mean, I'm not if, if somebody says, Ryan, you know, we have a limited budget. Are you going to go to the, the traditional? Or, no, like I'm going digital. I don't yeah. like spending yeah. a dollar on anything that I can't track. Right. I just exactly. I'm like, what? Like, no, if I spend a dollar, like I want to know Lucy Lou clicked on my fucking ad for 69 exactly. cents, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Now, my point to the question is, is that with Facebook and we know they have the edge rank algorithm. Right. And I, I, I'm not sure what the percentage is now, but at one point, basically let's say you had a hundred fans, just a clean number, you know, only 13, maybe 10 to 13% of them are even going to see it for free. So it's pay to play. As soon as Facebook, you know, Facebook was in my opinion is the biggest digital bait and switch of all time. If you, if you go back to the early days of it, they basically said everybody was, you know, using their personal friends list as a, you know, business and everything. And Facebook right. said, uh, 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 we need you to get yeah. everybody over to your fan page. Right. And then the, right. the fan page, everybody's seeing it. They're like, I love it. We got all this accessibility. And then Facebook's yeah. like, boom. Uh, yeah. yeah. Here's the lock and key. And exactly. yeah. And that's it. And your friends yeah. limit's going to be at 5,000 and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Now, how does somebody like, in your opinion, What's a hack for somebody that says, I want to get bigger on Facebook as a business, but maybe they don't have the big money to spend to push yeah. out, push it out. Is that something you would say, maybe go to the groups aspect or yeah. what would you tell them? So I think one of the big pieces, like for years, marketers have been screaming content is king, right? Like yeah. everybody yeah. needs to create more content, create more content. And you'll conquer the world. And the world will be yours. Context I mean, world- is God. Context yeah, yeah. is God. 
right? Yeah, yes. Fact, okay. Like everybody has screamed that. Yeah. Um, and because of that, people have just shared tons of content on Facebook and people fell into that trap of thinking if they put up a post on Facebook, they're going to win. I think that the way that you get around that is being more aggressive with the distribution of your content, which is why groups is so important and why I think it's one of the most underrated opportunities for any marketer. Mm. You can go into these Facebook groups, you can find people who are relevant and you can share that content with a very specific audience and ensure like you're talking about, you want to know that Lucy Moose clicking on your content. You can do that with Facebook groups. Yeah. Like if I ran an Etsy shop and I was selling, I don't know, a hair product that brides wear, I would go into all of the new bride groups on Facebook and I would be building relationships with every new bride every single month by sharing valuable content with them directly mm. in there because they're going to get updates. They're going to get a notification. They're going to have a conversation with you. And you could even ask them questions uh, like what type of hair product should we create next? And guess who you're talking to? Brides. It doesn't get more targeted than I'm having that, a hashtag right? nerdgasm right now. Hashtag nerdgasm. <laughs> hashtag SEO gasm. Hashtag everything. <laughs> no, it's just, it's oh, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's no. Gold. People sleep on groups. There's so much opportunity there. Um, I think you just have to think about who it is that you're trying to connect with. And I promise you that there's a group for those people somewhere on Facebook that you can connect with. Now, what do you think about this internally? So sometimes I'll bring up realtors as as an example. If you go to like a realtor's Instagram or Twitter, oftentimes 80% of their following is realtors. Now, this is my philosophy in, in business. Even as marketers, we're fellow marketers. Do I want to be friends with you because you're a marketer? To be honest with you, no, I don't really care because I'm more I'm more customer focused. I don't exactly. think that Ross is going to get me paid. I think that right. the customer is going to get me paid. Now, that's right. not why I'm in the business of what I do, although we do need to make money to live and all these things. So I oftentimes, I won't say, it's not that I don't play nice in the sandbox. Yeah. And I don't play nice in the sandbox. I'll just say, <laughs> I just, I just, I'm very... It's weird, like a lot of friends growing up, very external, go out and speak, but my circle is very small. And when it comes on a personal note for me, my family, my son, my dog, my wife, like that's my inner most important. And I'm almost reclusive. So people get surprised when they they, they say, oh, Ryan, you're all, you're very outgoing. I'm more of a kind of right. a, you know, I love being alone. I'm, yeah. you know, this is my laboratory, you know, right. I, go, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like literally I go from a city, which is Edmonton. That's, you know, a million plus with surrounding. Yeah. And I come out to the mountains here. I, if I like was to show you the laptop, you won't like, I li- it's a retirement community. First of all, 90% yes. of these homes are empty. And right. it's just like, right. I'll walk with my wife and we don't see anybody for like ever. Yeah. And yeah. I love it because right. it's like, right. you know, so yeah. for you, I'm sure on LinkedIn, you can see people that are like, Ross, I love your content. And then people that are just mooching, like, like the moochie hashtag moochie. And they're just, they're, they're almost trying to take everything you're building and like go right behind you. But then to your face, they're trying to make it seem like I really love your content. Do you ever get worried when you put a piece out that your competition's going to take it and use it against you? I'm asking this question. It's a very, very shallow not smart question. I understand that. However, I'm right. playing the devil's advocate on this for yeah. other people that feel like I don't want to put out anything free. My competition right. is going to use it to 
to dominate me. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, I have no fear in it. Right. Like my audience isn't, um, marketers necessarily who I would compete with. My audience is the internal marketer who works at a B2B startup or something like that. So, so for me, when I share the content and I see my competition, so to speak, commenting on it, it doesn't, it doesn't phase me. It doesn't impact me because in my mind, by them commenting in the algorithm world, as soon as they comment, their followers and their connections are going to see that they commented on the piece <laughs> and then they're going to see me. And then that's all good. I'm OK with that. So, Ross is a digital um, assassin. When you come in his right. world, it doesn't. And here's the thing about and going back to the owning your own channels. People don't understand this. In my opinion, your website and your channels are mom and dad. They're the parents. Then, as we know, in cultured families, you send your yep. kids out, go get right. that rice, go yeah. get that money and you bring it back. So you're right. In the algorithm world, yes, somebody comments, but then they always come back to home, which is Ross Simmons profile, Ross Simmons website. And this is where people just don't understand that. So they they and I I did read a study about this and maybe you have better numbers than I do. But it was something like 10 percent of Internet users generate almost 90 percent of content. So there's a there's a lot of people just stalking and watching. Yeah. How many people do you see all the time? And they'll yeah. never comment or like any of your stuff. And then they're like, Ross, I seen on Wednesday, you were there. Right. Man, on Friday, you're over there. Yeah. How was Orlando? You're like, dude, you've been following me close. Right. Exactly. Like you're yeah. digital. Yeah, it's constant. Like a lot of people are <laughs> passive with their content consumption, which is why like podcasts are taking off, right? Like people love passive consumption. They don't want to create. Most people just want to consume and that's okay. Like I love the fact that people want to consume. Like my audience is primarily people who consume content. Mm. Your listeners, vast majority of them are consuming content and that's okay. Um, I think when you're in the business world, if you're trying to grow your brand, you have to transition and kind of allocate some time where you're also creating. And I think that when you create content, you have the opportunity to have that impact where uh, you're able to reach more people. And if your competition copies it, that's fine too, because at the end of the day, you're still going to get credit. Like as long as you get credit for your work, the only time I get upset is if a competitor or somebody steals my content and I don't get credit. That's the only time I would get upset about somebody taking my work and sharing it and redistributing it. Mm. And in, in essence, though, you have no control over that. Like, I mean, you don't. I mean, no. you know, they did it. It is yeah. what it is. I the I always, thing is, like, I'm at a point now where people will tag me when they see someone stealing my stuff. So I'll just jump on there and I'll be like, bro, you stole my post. Like, what are you doing? At least change up the words a bit. Exactly. Yeah. Like your friend there, Mr. Clench, tell him, send him a message and I ask him to accept my connection request because I want to tag him because I I literally put a little graphic and then I I was going to reword. I'm like, no, man, I love exactly what he wrote. So I'm like, no, this is I just the way he used the words of, you know, humanity and sloppy and messy. I'm like, I just I don't know who this dude is, but I like him. I just like it. Just a re- he's just a real dude, you know. I, I I really appreciate that. And is it are you are you good friends with him though? Like, do you yeah, know actually know him? I know what, him. Yeah, yeah, how can how can work. somebody reach? Uh, give his username on the show. How, how can somebody reach out to him if they want to? You know, need some yeah. writing or anything like that. Just give McKenzie one username. Clench, he's a great copywriter. Uh, you can look him up on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to find him. Um, send him a message. He's he's a great dude. So if Mackenzie accuses me of stealing his thing, you are my proof that no, dude, the guy gave you a shout out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, exactly. I, I'm going to get to the end here. Uh, I do want to kind of end off with one quote, and it's by Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, I taught. She said, I taught my kids to worry about being respected, but not liked because that's the mm-hmm. trap. Mm. 
What is your interpretation of that quote? I love it. So for me, it comes down to the same reason why my Twitter handle is the coolest cool. If you listen to the words of Lupe Fiasco's song, The Cool, he's talking about a kid who got caught up in the idea of being cool uh, and how it took him kind of down the wrong path and he wasn't able to kind of do what he should have done. So for me, it's a constant reminder to myself, don't get caught up in the likes, don't get caught up in the comments, don't get caught up in the page views. Don't worry about that. Stay focused on the vision and try to accomplish that. I think in high school, a lot of people make the mistake of trying to be the cool kid. And I was Mm. one of them. Like I was always, I put a lot of my self-worth on the fact that I was one of the most popular kids in in school. But in doing that, I I didn't spend as much time as I could have on that fantasy football blog. I didn't spend as much time as I could have creating real value outside of that little bubble of my high school. So that reminder to me is like the world is big. You don't need to be cool. All you need to do is keep constantly adding value. And I love, um, I forget exactly what it is, but you have a quote in your status on Skype about value that I yeah. love. Yeah. Um, without value, that- without value. Well, I, I, I just came up with that on my head. I don't know if somebody else had it, but I just, without value, what's the point? Right. Right. Exactly. And that's what the coolest cool is a reminder to me of. It's like the idea is it doesn't matter how cool you are. You need to constantly be looking to add value because as we talked about earlier, there's an expiry date um, and nobody's going to remember how cool you were. They're going to remember what you did for the world. Well, it's so it's so interesting. It's, you know, I think Russell Peters. Yeah. Russell Peters yeah. said a quote and he said they're basically talking about he basically said how in his career he kind of came out, you know, obviously starting small got some success and then basically not blacklisted, but he said his style of comedy, basically like he got, a, he had a lot of haters mm, and he right. said, he said, just remember, even if you want to ignore somebody, you have to be thought of in order true. to be ignored. It's and true. Madonna, I posted this quote the other day, but her quote basically said, bitch, if you're still following me and watching me, you're a fan. <laughs> right. You're, right. Like even if yeah. you don't, I mean, you don't want to connect with me, but you're looking at all my stuff. That's true. I, and I'm sure this is one thing I do not like about LinkedIn. And I was going to post this Madonna quote and I still might do it because people view you in private mode. Right. Why? Yeah. yeah. Why? I don't do it. Don't do it. You know, you get yeah. it done to you, though. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Definitely. Like, like, can you give me an intellectual like can you pull some sort of intellectual reason why somebody would want to view you in private mode? Because my mind goes to the dark yeah. side. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, what do you like? It's weird. The, the only thing I would say is that people are, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I think it's a fear. It's fear. People don't want to have you know that they're checking you out. Like, maybe it is your competition. Maybe I get a lot of this, man. Yeah. Private yeah, mode. Do you right. know? <laughs> yeah, yesterday, I had 270 people view my profile in private mode. Wow. That might be a bunch of X's, man. <laughs> I hope not, man. My fa- that scares me about Facebook too, right? Because I'm all over the world now. It's like I remember Ryan when he was 19 years old. He's, he's in the club with the Heineken and the Cavassier bottle up there. Um, Ross, we're gonna get into uh, uh, just a quick little fire round, and then uh, you can end off with how people can reach out to you. Uh, but before I get into the fire round, is there any last thing you want to say? Um, anything at all, man? Nothing, man. This has been great. Thanks again for uh, having me on. I'm excited. I hope the listeners have been able to get some real value from this. Absolutely. Um, Okay. Fire round. Uh, What's for dinner tonight? 
Ooh, good question. So tonight we're having haddock. Um, so we're on the East Coast of Nova Scotia. Fish is a, a big thing here. So we're uh, we're doing some fish. Can up you tonight. send me some of that Atlantic stuff with the coffee? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, true story. Uh, when I did go out to New Brunswick, I, I have a few dealers out there. When I came, when I went out there the first time, they had these like boxes you can put all the seafood in and then bring it on the plane. Man, I, we have a lot of people like in Alberta, especially because of the oil boom and stuff that right. are from the East Coast. Yeah. And man, walking through with my carry on with this fish, I felt like people were going to massacre me. <laughs> this was like a hot commodity, right? It's true. It's true. <laughs> Everybody misses the seafood. Uh, are you a hunter or gatherer? Gatherer. Okay. Uh, you're a new addition to a crayon box. What color would you be? Black. Black. Who would win the fight between Superman and Batman? Batman. Okay. What is the number one thing that drives you? Uh, my family and friends, I'd say for sure. Okay. Uh, proudest moment personally? Um, I'd say it's been able to kind of give back to the community and help uh, some young kids kind of go into entrepreneurship and business. Biggest professional accomplishment? Um, I'd say it's probably just been constantly being able to give back as well like that's uh i know it sounds personal but without my profession i wouldn't be able to do it okay how do you define success being able to wake up in the morning go to bed at night and do whatever i want in between what are you scared of fear itself i don't want to get in my own way i think that that's the biggest fear that i have is that at some point i'll be so disconnected from the work itself that i'll uh, i'll be afraid i'll say no to a project that i should say yes to i'll be afraid to kind of take a leap of faith into something new um, I want to always be engaged in some regard. Mm. Your biggest inner me is your enter- enemy, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I like do you, it. Do you have a role model? Uh, I love uh, everything that Muhammad Ali's done mm. in his career. Um, R.I.P. But yeah, Muhammad Ali was someone I looked up to. Mm. What's your, what is your favorite thing to do that's non-work related? It's non-work related. I'd say it's spend time with friends and family and travel. Like I love to get on the road, see new places. Um, I've also started to pick up on, uh, I love getting active. So between the gym and going to yoga, that's always good as well. Mm. What, um, when you think of Halifax, what's the first word that comes to mind? Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> One piece of advice you would give someone who is scared shitless. Just do it. You're going to die. So you may as well uh, do it anyway. No regrets. When you hear the word star, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Muhammad Ali came to mind as soon as uh, you said it. Okay. Now, uh, one guest I had on, he said something so nice. Uh, We were just talking and he said, you know, Ryan, not only is a podcast really great, but he's like, it's also works as a um, almost like a vault of you know, you talking, having guests, it, it'll live forever. Right. It's a piece of content right. that you can go back 20 years. But he said, your son can listen to his dad on auto replay right. for like his whole life. That's um, pretty cool. And I just thought about it. I'm like, wow, you know, and so you don't have kids, but assuming you did have kids, we, we all know we owe a death. So if everything goes well, you're mm-hmm. going to die. You're going to die before your kids. We, we want right. that. Um, right. What would you want to tell your future kids um, as just a message to them? Mm, you're enough. You're enough. That would be uh, my main message. It's like, look in the mirror and recognize that you're enough. Uh, keep striving to do more, but never believe that uh, you don't like that you don't have what it takes to, to accomplish something. And last thing is, when it comes to all your achievements, is there anything you do or a list you've created or anything that you just like, like just literally, man, just list it out. Is there any way, like, do you keep track? 
I, so funny enough, <laughs> I had a list that was dated from like the time I was 18 up until 30 and I'm now 30 and I've, uh, checked off everything. So I got to create a new list. So, um, that's my, that's my next step. I uh, told my wife that over the Christmas break, I would be creating my next list and between now and 60. So that's on my task list. So like there's uh, like, if you look right, you've spoken at conferences behind me. These right. are, this is a stack of lanyards yeah, and, and a, a lot of them are from conferences that I was like, wow, you know, football helmets, some magazines, right. This Holtz plaque back there. This was done by a listener of the podcast. Oh, super, that's sick. Yeah, super cool. Do you see the action figure? I have my own action is that figure. You? Is that that's you? Me. I that's was me. wondering. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's an action figure that I got. That's but legit. is there anywhere in your place or like do you have a rumpus? Like I'm trying to get into your head. Like is there right. – do you have a little corner where you're like this is the Ross Simmons shrine? Right. No, I don't. So <laughs> Damn. Don't. I, um, I know I, I should, I really should. Okay. So here's my pledge to you. And we are making a verbal contract on this. Okay. Okay. 30 days from now, I'm literally going to write this down. You need to have, I don't care what you do in your house. You got to take a picture and send it to me. All right. Because I I feel like things. And I, I had this conversation with somebody the other day and they said, well, Ryan, there's, it's a big difference between being egotistical and, you know, not. And I said, no, I, I think that everybody should celebrate their accomplishments. And as much as you want to help people, always make sure that you're helping yourself. So my last right. question is this. That's the challenge. But is there anybody out there that gives you more value than you're giving them right now professionally? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, that gives me more I value. I feel like I'm happy we redid this today because I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm on fire. That is I great. guarantee you're probably going to get off and be like, that was really different than yesterday. <laughs> it is different, but it's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, I'd say, man, I give so much value from so many people, right? Like it's a, it's tough to zero in on one, one person. Um, and I'm constantly, I like for me, the entire the internet has changed my life, right? Like, so if it wasn't for the internet, I don't know what I'd be doing. So whenever I go on a website, whenever I'm consuming some type of content on a blog and I don't actually have a relationship with that person, they're adding value. So that's why I preach to the top of my lungs. Everybody has a story to share. Please share your story. It's Mm. always great to read it. Mm. Um, so for me, there's, there's so many people like in the industry, there's folks like Will Reynolds, Mm. um, who runs a company called Sear Interactive, who has an amazing blog. I've read a lot of his content. Um, there's Rand Fishkin. He runs mm. Moz. He created lots of great content mm. over the years. And I kind of studied his work. And then over time, we became friends. Like, there's so many people whose content I've consumed over the years to help me get to where I am. Uh, and it's just like, I love it. Like, I love the fact that it's all at our fingertips. And like you were talking about, if you have this, you have a phone and you can see that content, mm. it's, it's, it's a game changer. So, um, shout out to all content creators from all walks mm. of life. Keep doing what you're doing because it's probably impacting somebody somewhere, whether you know it or you don't. And last question. It's a two part question. Number one, who is one person you'd love to get a chance to sit down with for 60 seconds? And in that 60 seconds, you only get one question to ask. And that's it. You don't even get to say hi or bye. One question. Who and what is it? Mm, Good question. Again, I think I would sit down probably with... uh, Hmm. Good one. One ah, person. 60 seconds, I'd baby. I'm with Jay-Z. I'd sit down with Jay-Z. Ooh. 60 seconds. I'd and what's the question? Uh, what the, the question would be. It's damn good, eh? And yeah, you know, you know, his time is his time is valuable. You're probably only going to get one question. 
It's true. It's true. I'd say, uh, and it better not be some lame ass question. <laughs> no, I would say like, what would be his advice to someone who wants to? I, so here's no. a little bit of background. Okay, on it. it sounds I too comp. Say, Ross, sixty seconds, man. Okay. So what's his? I would say, Jay Z. What is your advice for somebody who's literally starting at the bottom and they want to kind of just move up? That would essentially be it. Like, what's your advice from someone starting at the bottom? Because at the end of the day, I think that everybody is born on a spectrum in terms mm. of privilege. And of all the people, when I look at the story around Jay-Z and his like case, he's very close to the bottom. Mm. Um, but he has been able to kind of rise up. So to go from the zero to the 10 has been magnificent to watch and to be able to see. I think there's very few people who have done that. So I would ask him what advice he would give somebody who went from that point to kind of a five or even mm. to go to six or a seven, because I think there's a lot of people who, who struggle to go from anywhere from zero to three to even six or five or seven. Um, and I think that it's very easy for somebody who's born at a six to go to a 10, but it's very challenging for someone mm. to go from a zero to a 10, like he's done. Mm. Uh, so I, that would be the question I'd ask. 444, baby, 444. I'm going to end off with one statement before uh, Ross is going to get into how everybody can reach out to him. This is the statement. I was watching a Warren Buffett uh, uh, 30-second video clip at about 3.15 a.m. this morning. And he was just driving around his place in Omaha, Nebraska. Humble dude, eats McDonald's like twice a day, uh, 82 years old. Um, But the lady asked... Is there was there luck that played into your success? And he says, of course. But he says, it's also the womb in which I was born in. And he said, I was Mm. born. If you're born in the 50s and 60s and you were born as a female or black, he said you were screwed. Yeah, Yeah, just off just off that. And he said, I hate to say that. And the lady who was interviewing him kind of like was like, wow, what a statement. He said, it's true. He said, because our world back then was just so twisted. But he said, I'm I'm so blessed to be able to live long enough to see that our world is untwisted quite a bit. We still yeah. have some spaces to go and, sure. and things to do. But yeah. man, like you said, so when I talk to especially, you know, not just black people, but ethnic people or immigrants, the right. moment somebody even tries to come at me like they're in a bad place, I just tell right. them, you're not, man. Work right. with what you have. Exactly. Yep. 100%. This has been an amazing show, amazing episode of the Rhino Show podcast. Ross, how's people reach out to you? Thanks so much for having me on. The best way would definitely be through Twitter at the coolest school on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me and all of my different projects, blog posts, content, case studies, all that stuff at rosssimmons.com. Um, very easy to find online. Do a quick Google search and I'm sure you'll find me. Um, please hit me up. Listeners, I uh, had a privilege and an honor chatting with you ryan thanks so much for having me on it's been a blast i appreciate that and everybody please go on itunes stitcher soundcloud rate the podcast i appreciate all the messages i think i'm going to take ross's advice and create a a facebook group uh i, like it. I, I have to i have to do that um we are on facebook at the rhino show podcast at the rhino show podcast on instagram and you can reach out to me always at Reynolds one on any platform ross this has been great real talk real people thank you my brother Thanks for having me. All right, man. I'll send you the links. Thanks, Ross.